Welcome to the frontier of the metaverse, where we learn from high quality entrepreneurs, artists, and change makers shaping the future of the metaverse. Here we discuss how to level up, how to get started, and how to get ahead of the opportunity. I'm your host, Howard Kingston. This is a foundational episode about NFTs. Now, NFTs have blown up in the past year. Some people have called them a cultural movement and NFTs have sold for millions of dollars. An example of this is the artist Beeple, whose piece of art sold in the auction house Christie's for $39 million. But other people have said NFTs are pointless and completely stupid. So what's the deal? In this episode, I break it all down. If you're new to the space and want a very accessible intro to NFTs, this will be a great episode for you. This is the next in a series of foundational episodes I'm doing to make things accessible if you're a little bit new to the space and just want the key areas broken down. So if you're already an expert and you know all about NFTs, absolutely feel free to skip this episode. But if you're new to NFTs or new to Web3 or Metaverse, this will be a great episode for you. What you'll learn in this episode is what is an NFT and what is the most common use of NFTs, why I'm excited about the space, and what NFTs I've personally bought and how I made those buying decisions to buy those NFTs and how practically I did it. In this foundational episode, I asked some people some common questions about NFTs and I simply answer those questions. So there's no guest on this episode. Like all my foundational episodes, this is a solo episode with just me answering questions that I've received. And with that, let's get to the show. Okay, so let's get into this foundational episode on NFTs. Now, I asked around and got some questions, common questions around NFTs. So I'm just going to go through them and answer them one by one. And I think it covers a lot of bases. So let's dive straight into it. Question number one is, what is an NFT? So an NFT, practically, what most people are seeing NFTs as are piece of digital art or maybe a digital profile picture or a digital membership card. That's how most people are seeing them at the moment. And what's interesting about them versus, say, a digital image that you may have seen for years, that's usually saved in what's called a JPEG file. What's the difference between these digital images and the JPEG files, which, you know, we've been using for years? And the key difference is the fact that NFTs are linked to the blockchain. And what that means for you, for us, is that For the first time ever, we can look at a digital image of anything, and I'll get into the different uses later maybe, because I know there's a question on that. But let's just keep it simple for now. Let's just say we find a digital image, and for the first time ever, someone can look at that image and look it up online on blockchain and see who owns that image. 
So if you own it, you own that digital image, let's say, just for example, it's a piece of digital art. That's a piece of digital art which is either become famous or is particularly beautiful and people like it, or it's by a certain creator or artist who's quite well known. Naturally, just like physical art, it will become more valuable. These NFTs, for the first time ever, it allows us to own these digital assets for the very first time and prove who owns it and prove ownership. So that's it from a super high level what an NFT is. Now, I'm going to go into way more examples, don't worry, of how you can use it, exact use cases, where you can buy them, all that kind of stuff, because I know there's questions on those. But I just wanted to, first of all, just give a really high-level intro, like what is an NFT? Now, the actual definition of an NFT is a non-fungible token. That's what it stands for, NFT, non-fungible token. And the fungible bit, that's a bit of a word that you may not have come across before. And the difference between fungible and non-fungible tokens, just so you know this, is a fungible token is not unique. So they're identical and they divide and can work like a currency. So if you think about the US dollar, for example, there can be thousands of US dollars, millions, billions, trillions of US dollars, and every US dollar is exactly the same. And they can be traded one for one. Where a non-fungible token is different, they're 100% unique and have only one owner. So think of that like an original piece of art in the real world. There's only one owner of that, okay? And that's simply brought through onto the digital side of things now. There's only one owner of a digital piece of art, which is created as an NFT. So hopefully that's a really high level intro. Keep with me through this episode as I'll be giving lots more examples and bring this all more to life, okay? But that is really what is an NFT without going too much in depth yet. Okay, question number two was, why am I so excited about NFTs? So yeah, I am really excited about NFTs. I think they really have the potential to open up a whole new asset class and a whole new world for humans. That's quite a big, quite a big thing, but I genuinely do mean that. How I originally got into NFTs is one of my first jobs in technology was with a gaming company based in London. And it was a football game, a virtual world football game. And this is back in 2010 or something, right? I forget the exact year, but this is back then. And back in 2009, 2010, I saw people spending a lot of money on these in-game virtual items. So for example, in the game, they would buy a virtual can of Red Bull or a virtual football boot. And they'd pay real life money to buy these virtual things. And I remember at the time that just blew my mind. And I was like, what are they doing? Buying these like virtual items? Now that's a behavior that's been around for many, many years. You know, it's not a new thing that people will buy virtual items. So when I saw the world of NFTs come along and for the first time people could buy these virtual items of not just in a game, by the way, it's not just about gaming now that you could buy these virtual items for art or a virtual item for a membership club, different uses like that. I was just like, yes, I totally get this because I've seen the behavior already in games. There's no reason now 
we basically live in the metaverse already, don't we? You know, the amount of time we spend online, it is an early stage of the metaverse. And being able to buy these virtual things inside of it, for me, is just a very natural evolution. And humans have been evolving for a long, long time. If we kind of look at the human race over the next five years, 10 years and beyond, we are in a march to more and more digitization. You know, it's not going to stop at this point, is it? You know, we're not going to go backwards and go, oh, hold on. Okay, I think we've, let's stop doing things online now. Let's stop innovating. Let's stop creating cool new experiences digitally. Like, that's not going to happen. If anything, it's just going to go more and more and more. When you're in the middle of it, I find you don't always see the change. But when you even just think back to five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, the first iPhone came out. And just think of the change. And if you've put that amount of time forward, humans are just more and more digitizing. So for me, it's just very natural and very logical that there'll need to be a way for people to own things in the digital world, just like people like to own things and have possessions in the physical world. It's just one of the things that is part of being human. And this is a way that we can extend our humanity into the digital world. So that is something I'm really excited about and I really see as the future. When I see companies like Meta, for example, which used to be called Facebook, Facebook rebranding to Meta because they see the future being these NFTs and the metaverse and Meta and Instagram and Facebook all starting to allow users to showcase their NFTs on their profiles. That's something that Instagram and Facebook announced about two months ago, that they're going to allow this into your profile. And big brands like Starbucks just last week announced a new program where they're going to start using NFTs. And the biggest investors in the world like A16Z have a 4.5 billion VC fund investing in these kind of things. That just all gives me confidence because the smartest people in the world are getting into this. So these are all the things that I think are exciting. And really, I think a lot of this stuff is a little technical still and great for you listening to this and taking the time to learn and get your head into this stuff because most people aren't yet. And I really think the future for NFTs really in two to three years, even in less one to two years, the reality is that NFTs will be everywhere. A lot of the time, most people won't even realize they're NFTs. It'll just change the way that we use technology just in the same way when you go to a Shopify store, you buy something online, you don't think about the technology working there. You just go in, you click a few buttons and you buy something. You don't actually care that it runs off a database and all these things are happening in the background. And that's exactly where we'll get to with NFTs. And that's where we'll really bridge from the early adopters, which you and I are. If you're listening to this, you are an early adopter. You know, we're still very, very early on this journey. So good on you for that. So next question, how do NFTs impact things for artists and other creatives? This, I think, is really big as well. And this is almost an extension to my last question. Why am I excited about it? Not only am I excited about NFTs from a point of view of the different use cases and the changing of the human race, but this is a very practical thing. 
that I think we should all be really excited about. So if you think about web two, which is the last version of the internet where Facebook and Instagram and Spotify and all these companies got really big, they were great from a point of getting a lot of you know, millions of people to start using the internet, which is fantastic. And don't get me wrong, absolutely. The things that it has allowed us to do is amazing. All these videos we can watch all the time and music we can listen to in our pockets. It is amazing. What a time to be alive. But I'd say the one group of people it hasn't been great for, it's been great for users like you and I, but think about the artists. If you think about like the last 15, 20 years, it's really gone from a period of time where the average artist, and I'm talking about the average artist, maybe not the megastars, the Lady Gagas are still doing okay. <laughs> the Damien Hursts are still doing okay. But really for the average artist, it's become very difficult. I'm sure you've heard the statistics on how much the average musician makes from Spotify. It's literally less than pennies on the dollar. So what these big companies, Web2 companies like YouTube and Spotify have done, they've essentially created monopolies because all users use them and they get away with not paying their creators very much money. The average person creating YouTube videos does not make much money. The average musician creating music on Spotify is not making much money. And the average artist creating art is not making that much money either. This has been the challenge with things in the last maybe 15, 20 years. Now, NFTs change that. NFTs have two things that are really exciting. And if you're an artist or you're friends with an artist of any kind, musician or painter or anything, they should be really excited. And I would ask you to get them excited because there's two things that they should be excited about for the average artist now. One is it makes it easier for, let's just say, an average artist to have a bit of a following and create a piece of digital art, which is now more accepted as an art form or getting there. We're still a way to go, but still getting there and being able to sell their art online as a digital form to anywhere in the world. For example, there's an artist space over in the Philippines I think the artist's name is Tiger Bob, or maybe that is the piece of art this artist creates. It's actually, that is this artist's piece of art. It's called Tiger Bob. And she's based in the Philippines and she's got a global following now. And, you know, it would have been really hard, you know, not impossible, but just think about that. Five years ago, that would be really hard for a Filipino artist to have a huge following in, say, United Kingdom or America where the reality is that, you know, a lot of the deepest pocket buyers and collectors are. So it allows these artists to get a global audience of collectors. So that's the first part. But the second part is even more amazing that when an NFT, let's just say a piece of art from this artist, Tiger Bob, someone initially buys it for a price. Okay, let's call it 0.5 Ethereum, because usually these things are still done in Ethereum. In today's prices, 0.5 Ethereum is about $750. Let's just say someone buys the piece of art for $750. Well, that's cool. And the artist makes money there. But here's the thing. From now on, whenever that 
One piece of art is bought and sold between collectors, which happens a lot now with NFTs. Every single time the artist gets a royalty, they get a somewhere between 5% and 7.5% if it's bought and sold on the major platforms. Now, that's amazing. Now, that was never done before. Imagine an artist 10 years ago, any time in history, would sell a piece of art and that was it. Even if that piece of art went up in price a hundred times, the end artist would not get any direct financial return from that. But now as an artist, every time the piece of art is bought and sold, they keep on getting an income. And if the piece goes up greatly in value and is bought and sold, they get an even bigger income from that. So that's really, really exciting. I've heard some people say that NFTs is like the economic layer of the internet, which was never there before, because it allows for the average person to buy and sell things and continue to make money from it, rather than just these big centralized companies like, for example, Spotify doing that. So that's some food for thought. Okay, next question. I've heard there are different types of NFTs. Could you explain the differences? Yes, absolutely. This is a great question. So there are a few different types of NFTs. There are art NFTs. There's things called PFPs. There's utility NFTs. And there's things like virtual land. So let me dive into each of these and unpack these a little bit. So the first one I'll start with is art, because I think that's a really easy one and accessible one for everyone to understand. So an artist creates a piece of digital art. Now they can create it digitally or, you know, they could. I've seen artists that create art physically and take a photograph of it. You know, there's no right or wrong way there. You can do whatever you want. But ultimately, let's just start, imagine a piece of art. Okay, so for example, Damien Hirst is a famous artist, which a lot of you will have heard of. And he created a set of NFTs recently. And that is an example of a piece of art. He created a, a set of NFTs called The Currency, recently. And it was quite an interesting dynamic he did. He's one of the most famous artists that are alive at the moment. And he created, I think it was 1000 pieces. I think it may have been 10. I think it was 1000 pieces. And he created the physical version and he created the digital version, the NFT version. And people that bought the piece had one year to decide whether they wanted to keep the physical print version or the NFT version. And whichever one they decided to keep, they would keep. If they kept the physical version, it was posted out to them. And whichever one they didn't decide to keep was destroyed or burned, as it's called in the industry. It was really interesting, really interesting. There's a lot of talk about which one would have the most value. And uh, I believe that happened in, I might have my date slightly wrong, around July or August was the final decision time. And I think just slightly over half decided the physical version. I spoke to some of the collectors and they were saying, you know, this might be my only chance of having a physical Damien Hurst. But it'll be interesting over time whether the NFT version of his art will become more valuable. There are fewer of them, so you might say become more valuable that way. And, you know, it certainly can't get destroyed. 
So if you're moving house a lot or traveling, it might be a better fit. And it's also easier to sell, to resell, because there's a ready-made online reselling platform, which I'll talk about in a further question. So... Yeah, it's an interesting one. But one of the examples is just straight up art. So an artist creates a piece of art and can sell it. Maybe a subsection of art is photography. There's also photography NFTs. So a famous photographer that creates NFTs would be someone like Julian Aversano. He would be one of the most famous ones who's creating photography NFTs worth checking out. Okay, so that's art. The second type of NFTs is something called a PFP. And a PFP stands for a profile picture. And really, you could say this is a type of art, but I think it's slightly different. It's really a virtual profile. And it's a way for people to, you might say, flex, flex virtually. Now, what do I mean by flexing? People have been flexing for a long time. People flex by buying a Prada bag and walking down the street. They buy it. Let's be honest, sure, they might say, oh, I love the way it's created. People like to socially signal in humans. All humans like to socially signal. This is not a new thing. People do it with cars. People do it with handbags. People do it with fashion. So really a profile picture is a example of how people are doing that now virtually. It's an extension to that. So you'll go onto something like Twitter and you may have noticed, or if you haven't, it's worth going onto Twitter and you'll start seeing these like avatars as people's profile pictures. And really that is a digital way people are now signaling that they're part of a certain community. So a famous one would be something like CryptoPunks. They're a very distinctive 8-bit character, which are now worth a lot of money. And that is the way a lot of, if you think a lot how today's world, a lot of people with money are people who've made a lot of money in tech, say from Silicon Valley or with their tech startups and things like that. A lot of these people don't want a Lamborghini or don't want to have a Prada suit on. You know, a lot of these tech entrepreneurs don't wear suits or don't use handbags. How they want to signal is differently and that's changing. And they spend most of their time online and they want to be able to signal to their other people online that they're of a certain social status and that's where really these profile pictures are coming in most of the famous ones of those would be crypto punks bored ape yacht club is another one moonbirds is another and doodles they would probably be the big four and they that can change around a bit so that's what a profile picture is, or you might hear people call it a PFP. So if you're getting into this space, NFT space, you may get a, one of these NFTs and use it as your profile picture. So that's art. We've covered PFPs. There's two other uses of NFTs I'm going to touch on briefly. One is utility. Okay, so there's things called utility NFTs. And this is a type of NFT which you buy and it gives you some real value, more so than just speculation value. The other ones I've been talking about, the art and the profile pictures, they can be worth huge amounts of money now. But a lot of it is down to speculation, essentially other people wanting to buy from you. And, you know, art is built on that, right? The value of a piece of art is very subjective. It becomes valuable when other people want to buy it from you for a high price. 
Where utility is slightly different. A utility NFT can give you access to a piece of software, for example, lifetime access to a piece of software, or it might give you lifetime access to a club of some form. So let me give you some examples of that. So for example, I own an NFT called Pre-Mint, and it gives me access to a piece of software. And as the owner of the NFT, I get these special features no one else has. And for me, it's great value. I use it almost every day, and I get some special benefits with it. So that gives me access to the software, which, you know, is quite an interesting way for entrepreneurs to raise money, isn't it? If they need to raise a bit of money to start a company, rather than going out and looking for investors, you can sell a thousand NFTs to people. So when it comes to utility, one example can be software, for example. The other examples might be access to a membership club, and these can have real physical examples. So there's a famous one in America. I might have my names wrong. I think it's called the Fly Fishing Club or something like that. And it's a very high profile restaurant and members club with some very high profile people in it, like Gary Vaynerchuk. And this NFT gives you access to that and gives you so many free meals from top chefs. Another real life example would be Wag Me United which is a football team in the United Kingdom. And a group of people bought a football club in the English Football League called Crawley Town and renamed it Wag Me United. I don't know if that's an official rename, but most people know it as Wag Me United now. And they called it Wag Me because Wag Me stands for we are going to make it. It's a saying in the Web3 and NFT and crypto world everything will be okay and uh, everyone will do well. But if you own a Wagme United token, which I do, because I'm a big football fan as well, it gives you a certain amount of merchandise like football shirts. It gives you access to tickets, to the matches, and this is for a lifetime. So being a big football fan, I was quite keen on that. So that's an example of utility. And then the last type of NFT you'll see is what's called virtual land or game assets. And this is really for the real gaming side or virtual world side of the metaverse. You can buy plots of virtual land in a virtual world. Okay, and the examples of these would be the sandbox or Decentraland. These are some of the big ones. Really the thought process there, you know, we all hear the stories of the amount of money land in Manhattan was sold for a few hundred years ago and how much it's worth now. And there's a thought process that if people are building the metaverse and the virtual worlds of the future, now is the time to land grab that land. You know, different people will say different things on it. And I'll probably do a full episode on virtual land quite soon. But it's really a very interesting topic. And if you really think that in a few years we'll all be in these Ready Player One type environments, that's a movie which I highly recommend everyone watch if you haven't. The book is even better, way better than the movie, but even the movie is good. You know, buying these plots of land early now will be an investment that will give a future return. Now, that's definitely not financial advice. That is just what people would say. 
you know, the jury's out, I think, on virtual land, but that is another type of NFT. So just to recap, the different types of NFTs are art, PFP, utility, and virtual land. Okay, so question, can you give some examples of things I've bought and why? Sure, one or two examples of things I've bought and why. So I won't give links to my entire collection here, but if you do want to see my entire collection, you can go to my Twitter profile. I'm Howard V for Victor K, Howard VK at Twitter. And you'll see a link to something called gallery.so. And I have a gallery, a virtual gallery, where I showcase all my NFTs. So if you do want to have a little bit more of a look around, see exactly all the things in my collection, they're all there. But I'll just give you one or two examples. Probably one of my favorite pieces is what's called Moonbirds. And that's created by a guy called Kevin Rose. Now, he's an entrepreneur I've followed for the last 10 years when he was creating his own technology companies like Dig, etc. I just always trusted him. And when I heard that he was coming out with an NFT project, I was excited about it because probably my single biggest thesis on which NFTs I buy, and I know there's a question about how I choose my NFTs. I'll talk about that in a bit. One of the biggest ones is backing founders and entrepreneurs and teams that I think will do well. And I just really trusted him and I liked the idea of what he was doing. So I bought some of them. I also own a piece of art called Chromie Squiggles. Now, I really recommend check these out. They're quite iconic. And uh, I just really like the piece of the art around these Chromie Squiggles. One of my pieces was shown in a New York gallery, actually, about three or four months ago. Another piece that I hold is something called CP. G pop. Now this is a bit different. Uh, stands for crypto package goods pop. And this is what I was talking about earlier, a utility NFT, because it's really a group of entrepreneurs and creatives and what you might call builders, people creating Web3 products. And it's a community for that. So it comes with courses, for example, talks from experts, it has a builder's community, so people get peer-to-peer -peer mentorship. It has an incubator part of it. So it gives you access to those things, which is cool. But like I said, if you want to see my full collection, you can go to my Twitter, uh, Twitter forward slash Howard VK, Howard V for Victor K. Do follow me, of course, as well while you're there, because that's where I talk about stuff more often than these podcast episodes. Next question how do I choose how to buy my NFTs? To answer this one, I had to really reverse engineer most of the purchases I've made, NFT purchases. You know, there's a lot of different ways people can buy them and can get very fancy with trading skills and things like that. But this is how I've bought most of my NFTs that I have bought. First of all, there's a discovery phase I spend a lot of time on Twitter. For example, Twitter is where you'll hear about most of the things pretty early. So for example, when I bought my Chromie Squiggle, I saw a tweet by the creator of the Chromie Squiggle that he was releasing some more. And that allowed me to mint a Chromie Squiggle NFT. 
and I got very lucky and I got quite a rare chromy squiggle, which was fantastic. But it was really on Twitter that I saw that another place I get a lot of my information would be listening to podcasts. So just like this one. So already on this podcast, for example, you've heard about lots of cool projects, cool NFT projects. And then also in discords. Now discord is where a lot of the community action happens. So I would say Twitter and discord is where most of the action is. Twitter is more broad brush, hear things early, where people join discords around certain communities and things go a little bit deeper in a discord. And I know some people can't do both and they either hate discord or they hate Twitter or they hate them both. I don't know, but have a play around. I find discord can be a little bit more overwhelming, especially if you're just starting out. I remember when I started using discord, I was like, it really took me a while to get my head around it. But definitely worth checking them out. But that's how I will start hearing about things. And once, let's just say something does come onto my radar that I think looks interesting, then I'll go and I'll check out who the team are behind it. Are the team that are creating this NFT project, have they created anything before in the past? Are they seasoned entrepreneurs with a strong track record? That would be a very good indicator for me. Or are they first timers with no prior experience? That would worry me a bit. Worry me more than a bit. Worry me probably a lot. Also, are they anonymous? So there's a lot of people in this space that won't release their identity. Or can you see their identity and look up their background? That's another thing that I would look at. Then after the team, I'd look at the visual piece of the art or the utility that comes with that. Like obviously those two things are very important. After that, if all these things are looking good, then I'll start looking a little bit on the community and the hype around it. You know, how many followers do they have on Twitter? Are people engaging a lot? Are people in the community, the wider Web3 and NFT community, hyped up about this project? Because if no one's excited about it, that's not a good sign. So I'll check that. And then the last one is, you know, the, ultimately what the price is. And if I think it is a good investment based on the amount of maybe disposable income I have available at that point in time and maybe the timing. So that's really it. I'll look at Twitter. I'll analyze the team. I'll analyze the art. I'll look at the community and the hype. And then I'll just check the price and the timing. And then I'll make a final decision. Okay, one or two last questions. What would I like to buy more of if I had a chance? What NFTs would I like to buy more of? Ooh, so if I had, say, 100 Ethereum at my disposal, just ready to buy, there are two things I'd probably buy. One is I'd love, love, love to buy a CryptoPunk. They're really the OG NFT. They're now priced at about, I think today they're around 60 Ethereum, 60 Ethereum. That's the minimum. Um, and they get more expensive depending on which ones you want to buy. I think they're cool. And the access to the community that you get around that would be really something special as well. A lot of the really OG people own those. So I'd buy a CryptoPunk and then I'd buy more art blocks. Artblocks is the generative art platform, which a lot of my favorite NFT art gets released on. I did an episode with someone called Sophia Garcia from Artblocks a few episodes ago. I won't go into generative art and what that is on this episode. 
highly recommend. That was a great episode. It really breaks it down and gives some great examples of some beautiful pieces. So that's what I'd like to buy more of. And then the final question I'm going to read out is, where do I buy my NFTs and then where do I keep them? Okay, so this is a very practical one as well, isn't it? So where do I buy them? Typically, if you want to buy an NFT, I'm going to really generalize here because there's lots of different platforms, but I'm going to generalize. There's three main places to buy them. One is what's called you mint them. And if you're going to mint an NFT, it's usually done through the artist's website themselves or a third-party website that mints NFTs like Artblocks, for example, which I was just talking about. Artists mint their NFTs on Artblocks if it's released through Artblocks. Or other pieces of art do get released on the artist's own website, such as if they had their own Shopify store, for example, e-commerce store on their website. Now you can sell NFTs on their website. That's what minting is. When you're buying the piece of art for the very first time, it's called minting because the process of that piece of digital art getting connected to the blockchain is called minting. So that's where a lot of times you'll buy them when you're buying them for the very first release of the piece of art or any type of NFTs I've been talking about. So that's minting. The second one, the largest platform for NFTs is called OpenSea. I think it's OpenSea.io, but just double check the URL there and I'll link this up in the show notes. OpenSea is like the eBay for NFTs, right? It's just where everything is. So you'll get amazing stuff, but also you'll get rubbish. It's definitely worth going in and exploring. And there's some good tabs on there, such as the most popular NFT platform, the most activity, which means the most sales are going on at the time. It's a great place to explore and just get some inspiration. So I recommend checking it out. One thing that OpenSea is good for is, you know, it's quite trusted now. If you're buying something on OpenSea, now you do need to check that you're buying the correct piece because some scammers will impersonate famous collections. So definitely, definitely check that. But at least the platform, you know, is a safe platform. So OpenSea is safe. Whereas, you know, if you're minting from an unknown artist's own website, you just need to make sure they're credible. And then the third one I'll say where you can buy them and where I bought stuff is something called Super Rare. Now, Super Rare is slightly different and it's really famous for artists selling one of one pieces. Commonly with NFTs, people will sell maybe a thousand NFTs in a collection, all slightly different, but they'll have a thousand collection or a 10,000 collection of 10,000 pieces. Whereas on Super Rare, the pieces are a one of one. And naturally, with anything, the more scarce the asset, the higher potentially the price would be if it's something that's in demand. Okay. So you'll have some famous NFT artists such as Xcopy, for example, releasing things on Super Rare, and they'll be in huge demand because he's a very famous NFT artist. I think it's a he. I don't think he or she has ever announced their name. So Xcopy is an interesting one to check out for one of one pieces. It's almost like moving gifts and some people really don't like it, but, you know, I quite like them. And then 
once you buy them, where do you keep them? Well, I keep them in my ledger, my cold wallet. I did an episode all about good security around NFTs and cryptocurrencies and things with someone from Ledger one or two episodes ago. So I won't go more into that. Just check out that episode. Highly recommend it. We've just spent a bit of time in this foundational episode talking about NFTs. And this one's really, if you're on the sidelines looking at NFTs, not that sure about them, and uh, you wanted to check them out, hopefully this gives you a good overview. And I'm on Twitter at HowardVK. Feel free to ask any more follow-up questions. Or if you have an idea for our next foundational episode, please let me know. That's all for this episode. Chat soon. All right, that's it for this episode. Want to thank you for listening. If you want to get the links and the show notes, just head on over to our website, frontieroftheMetaverse.com. And if you like this episode, please do share it with anyone you know interested in all things Metaverse. And of course, you can subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Would be very much appreciated. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. 